0: Big all Tommy Castor this is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio 97.5 and 1240 KFH Tuesday edition of Sports Daily. So happy to be alongside you here. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster, Chad Chambers producing for us as we get you through the middle part of the week on the way to another exciting sports weekend, an exciting sports night in Wichita because the Wichita Wind Surge have their home playoff game. The only guaranteed home playoff game that they'll have comes tonight. If they win the series, they'll get another, but they got to take care of business at home tonight. In order to get that underway, that's on the table here locally. Another night of Monday Night Football, and Tommy, another dud. Uh, We'll get to those two games. Primetime NFL games have not been good so far this year, which is strange because typically the NFL nails it in primetime. Uh, We've got a significant suspension of a Chiefs player and some other news and notes around the NFL to get to. We'll do all of that as well as our weekly conversation with dan israel executive producer of the chiefs radio network excited to get him on it's been a long time since they played a game a lot of things developing now this willie gay suspension so i've dan israel top of our number two uh, to get that underway as well welcome in everybody 869 1240 is the number to call you can always find us on twitter uh tommy and i both there try to stay as active as we can chatting back and forth with people always appreciate that interaction Happy Tuesday to you, Tommy. Uh, Monday Night Football, 0 for 2 last night on Good Games.
1: Yeah, and 0 for 2 on my picks as well. I had the Titans to cover, mm-hmm. and I had the Vikings to win, which that was the the worst-case scenario for me in that uh, in our picks with you and Paul. I think both of you guys won, and I lost both of them. So that's the worst-case scenario for me going into uh, going into this week.
0: Yeah, it was, uh, well, we're, that was, uh, what did we all end up? 4 and 6, 5 and 5, something like that not amazing but you know we've been uh, uh we've been okay it, it, the NFL has been tough yeah tough this year i mean it is like it's a bloodbath we've got sports wagering it's been the same pattern i you make some money in college football and then just light it on fire in the NFL if it wasn't for some like player prop bets i'd be I'd be in rough shape in the NFL. Those are keeping me afloat. I I really like those. But it has been an unpredictable NFL season with a few exceptions. One of those exceptions is the Buffalo Bills. Let's start with them. Buffalo, again, flexing on a former playoff team. uh, The number one seed in the AFC, the Titans, who I don't think we suspected would be quite as good as they were a year ago. Uh, they just absolutely were destroyed in this game, 41-7. to 7. They were outgained 414 yards to 187. That is hard to do defensively when you're getting blown out like that. For if, for example, for Buffalo's defense to just continue to hold them down when they're beating them that way, that's impressive because normally teams get a bunch of production and garbage time, a la what the Cardinals did to the Chiefs. Um the Bills right now clearly look like the best team in the NFL. You've knocked off the Rams. You've knocked off the Titans. Um, they'll get the Chiefs in a few weeks, so we'll take care of that you know, business as the time comes. But Josh Allen, fantastic again. Uh, no, Buffalo didn't even have their second-best offensive player, second-best offensive uh, weapon for Josh Allen, and Gabe Davis didn't even play last night. Steph Diggs looked unstoppable. Josh Allen looked unstoppable, and Buffalo looks unstoppable.
1: Yeah, I mean, the game started 7-7. It looked like it was going to be a little bit of a dogfight back and forth after one quarter. And then the Bills, you know, kicked it into overdrive, scored 34 unanswered points. Josh Allen, I mean, what more can you say about Josh Allen? Looked incredible. 26 of 38, 317, four touchdowns. And I think what the scariest thing about Josh Allen is and the Buffalo Bills is Allen only ran the ball one time. He only had one carry for 10 yards. I believe that's the first time in his career that Josh Allen has had fewer than two carries in a game. And that's always been a big knock. I don't want to say a big knock on him, but that's always been something of a little bit of concern is that Allen is giving up his body too much. He's running the football too much. He's going to get injured. He didn't have to in this game. This might be kind of the new standard for Buffalo where you know Josh Allen's like look I don't have to necessarily run the ball for us to win big I don't necessarily have to put my body on the line all the time for us to go out and dominate football games and so this might be a trend of things to come for Buffalo where you don't have to have Josh Allen running the football he he can stand back in the pocket and he can complete passes to Stephon Diggs. And and I don't know how much you you watched Stephon Diggs, Jacob, in this game, but he did whatever he wanted. And it was one of those things where it was almost like he was daring the defense of Tennessee to stop him, and they, they couldn't do it. I mean, he he was absolutely dominant, and that's, like you mentioned, without Gabe Davis out there. And so, I mean, yeah, incredibly impressive performance by Buffalo on both sides of the football. And on the flip side with Tennessee, you have to think that that window of opportunity for them is closing very quickly. Derrick Henry is was basically their only option, and he didn't have a good game. I mean, that was the defensive game plan for Buffalo was to shut down yeah. the run. They, you know, Tennessee couldn't do anything else.
0: That happens with, with Derrick Henry from time to time. Um, you know, when he gets shut down, he almost, it's not, I don't want to say he's disinterested, but he looks disinterested. He's not, you know, he's not fighting to break a tackle behind the line or whatever it is that, that what, you know, he was clearly not going to be effective last night and, and credit to Buffalo for that, but it just, that game script never favored the Titans. Once the bills started to, to get a couple of touchdowns there and that, and that's been the way for the Titans for a long time. They're not a, they're not a play from behind kind of a team, but you know, a couple weeks in now, and their defense doesn't look very good. They're they're in trouble, and Tannehill was bad. And and yeah. you know, I I don't think that Tannehill has been bad. I think Tannehill has been fine. I think he's done a really nice job with the you know the reclamation of his career in Tennessee. But they drafted Malik Willis, and and they're going to start taking a look if they feel like they need to because they do have a closing window because Derek Henry at running back is getting older. And they've mm-hmm. built that team that way. They traded AJ Brown, and I don't know what people expected that was going to happen with the Titans. They traded AJ Brown. They, you know, they got a little bit older. They it, it, don't don't put, set your expectations too high for the Titans. I mean, they didn't do anything really to get better, uh, but still to get beat forty-one to seven, I'm not sure there is another team in the NFL that beats the Titans forty-one to seven. And I'm not sure if I'm more impressed with Buffalo's offense or their defense through two weeks. I think I'm more impressed with their defense just because I sort of expected this out of their offense. Yeah, Josh Allen's, he can he can just sit back and sling it and be fine. Steph Diggs does not get the credit he deserves as one of, if not the best receiver in football. He's never mentioned in that conversation. And he's been as consistent now in two different spots as any receiver in football, he absolutely deserves to be in that conversation. Dude is always open. He's like Cooper Cup in that way. He's always open, and he's so dynamic after he catches the ball. Um, he's a, he's a superstar, and they didn't have Gabe Davis, who's also awesome. Like, they didn't even have him in this game. They just peppered they just peppered Diggs with 14 targets, and Tennessee couldn't stop it. So, I'll ask you this question: When it comes to Buffalo? Right now, after two weeks, and I know this is a tricky question in the NFL, but after two weeks, let's say we're starting the playoffs tomorrow, are you taking the Bills or are you taking the field?
1: As of right now, I think you still have to take the field. That's where I'm at right now, and don't get me wrong, this is not a knock on Buffalo. They, they are absolutely incredible, and they look like one of, if not the best team in the NFL. Uh you mentioned if the playoffs started today. I think that's that's a key right there because as it stands after two weeks, if you were to ask, would I take Buffalo in the Super Bowl or the field? I'd probably pick Buffalo because I think they're head and shoulders better than any team in the NFC. And I know we're going to talk about the NFC in a few minutes. I do think there are a couple of teams though in the AFC that could stop them. Kansas City being one of them, the Chargers being another team. Like I, I think those three teams in the AFC are clearly better than any team in the NFC. So if you're talking about a playoff run, I do think that there are teams still in the conference that could knock off Buffalo. But if Buffalo is able to make their way through that and make it to the Super Bowl, I don't see right now an NFC team that matches up anywhere close to where Buffalo is right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't, well, again, the, the one that stands out so far might be Philadelphia. We'll talk about them in a minute. It's, I, I just don't know. And I look ahead right now, and Buffalo gets another big test next week down in Miami. That's just a five-and-a-half-point spread. Doesn't that feel criminally low? I mean, we saw the Ravens put it to the Dolphins until the fourth quarter of that game. But the Bills, They, they I'm, I'm pretty surprised that they're only laying five-and-a-half based on what we saw last night. I suspect that number will fly up and get closer to seven and a half or more, uh, even though they're on the road. And look, the NFL is showing us right now when it seems too good to be true, it's too good to be true. But I mean, they they do feel like they're ahead of everybody in that way. Their defense has been outstanding. That's the thing. Their defense has been outstanding. There wasn't anybody in the world that didn't think Buffalo was going to compete and be one of the best offenses in football. But right now, they've looked like the best defense in football, and they've done it against two teams that do things very differently. They stopped a high-powered Rams passing attack in week one, and they stopped a high-powered running attack in week two in the Titans. So, you know, they're passing all these tests, and, and they're showing us this. They're not playing cupcakes yet. They do get a lot of cupcakes on their schedule this year. It very much looks like... The AFC road will run through Buffalo just based on the schedule they play versus the schedule that the Chiefs, the Chargers, um, if if those are the next two will play. So we'll see on Buffalo, but man, oh, man, they look good. And they look as good through two weeks as any team I can remember looking through two weeks in quite a while considering who they've played so far. Uh, Yeah. And it is a year-to-year league. Look, the Rams almost blew one to the Falcons, right? So I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say the Rams and the Titans are as good as they were a year ago. They don't appear to be, either of them, as good as they were a year ago. So that's a part of it, too. And the Dolphins should be a good test. Look, the Dolphins, you want to test your secondary? Go stop Waddle and Tyreek Hill. You know what I mean? Like, that's going to be a big test for Buffalo in that sense as well. But Miami's got to turn around and stop them, too. And that's what makes them so scary there I, I will say last year there was that there was that stretch last year where they sort of were just spinning their tires in the sand and they they got out of that toward the end of the year and then the, and then that went away I, I suppose that possibility still exists but man they've got a new play caller that doesn't seem to be any problem and Josh Allen does seem like he's elevated to even another level
1: yeah I'm I'm really interested to see this Miami game because actually I believe that this is a bigger test for Buffalo from what we saw last week with Tua and Tyreek and Jalen Waddle, I think this is a bigger test defensively for Buffalo than what we've seen so far I mean you think back to the the Rams game that opening night the Rams offensive line is god-awful then they showed that and then you look at the, the game last night against Tennessee the Titans have a pedestrian quarterback and really no option outside of Derrick Henry. I mean, w- when you're when your top wide receiver is 65-year-old Robert Woods, like come on, like you don't you they missed AJ Brown big time in that game. The the Dolphins offense looks to be more high powered than either of the two opponents that Buffalo has faced so far. Plus it's a divisional matchup, it's on the road for Buffalo. So I'm intrigued by this. I don't think at this point right now and 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 I don't think anybody would think that Miami can match up entirely with Buffalo at this point. I think Miami's on the come up right now, but I do think they provide a bigger test for Buffalo's defense, especially the secondary, than what the team than what the Bills have seen so far. There's no question,
0: and they provide um, Miami's a better team than Tennessee right now. I, I, I think I'm comfortable yeah. saying that they provide Buffalo a bigger challenge in the sense that. You know, once Buffalo got a big lead against Tennessee, it was game over. Tennessee's not going to be able to come back. They can't throw the ball well enough to do that. Miami can. They just did it against Baltimore, a Baltimore defense which typically we have a lot of faith in, right? Uh, they they came back and did that against Baltimore. So the one thing about that game is going to be interesting, and it'll end up being one of the better games of the week is that Miami can come back from two or three touchdowns because they can score quick and in a hurry, too. We just saw it, and and we know who their players are. I mean, clearly, when you have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, there may not be two more explosive receivers in the league um, you know, paired up together. So that'll be an interesting test. I, Buffalo looks good, though, and I'm with you. I would still take the field. Um, I think the grind in the AFC is going to be absolutely brutal. But, man, when I see... You know, I, this is going to sound weird. The Jets feel better equipped to take on Buffalo than New England, for instance. Like, Buffalo's is not going to be— it's not going to provide them the type of challenges some of the other AFC teams will get. They have two tough ones. Like, before their bye week, this is where they're going to really get tested, I think, because they go to Miami, to Baltimore, and to Kansas City in three of their next four games. Like, we're going to have—by the bye week, which comes after that, and week whatever that is, eight— uh, or 7 we're going to have you know we'll have a much clearer picture on that because no, we'll after know. the buy they get games against the Jets, the Browns, the Patriots, the Lions, the Jets again, the Bears um like they don't have the kind of grind everybody else does but this will be a pretty interesting little four game stretch man the AFC is just so loaded it's wild but they they're clearly the best team in the league right now and they'll play you know three three of their next four games will come against teams who have Super Bowl aspirations this year in Miami, Baltimore, and Kansas City, and they play all three of those on the road, and they get a home game with Pittsburgh mixed in there. But that'll be a good test for Buffalo.
1: Yeah, and and I think you're going to see, you know, playoff-type atmospheres in all of those games. You know, Buffalo going on the road to Miami, to Baltimore, to Kansas City. That, you know, that that, uh, Buffalo-Kansas City game, I know we're a few weeks away from it, but you think back to what happened last year, like that's going to be, an incredibly fired up Arrowhead stadium. And uh, we'll get a real test of who Buffalo truly is. They look like the best team in the league right now through two weeks. Um, and that question about, you know, do, do you take Buffalo or do you take the field at this point? Uh, we'll know pretty quickly if it's going to be Buffalo after this stretch of football.
0: In the NFL, things, it just weird things happen every week. We've seen it through two weeks. It's been wacky. Let's take a quick break. We'll switch to the NFC. There was another Monday night football game last night where one team dominated the other, and perhaps an even more impressive win than the one Buffalo put on Tennessee. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Castor, your calls. 869 1240 is the number. Uh, happy to talk about football we're talking chiefs with dan israel at the top of the second hour uh wind surge fans baseball fans you've got a playoff game tonight maybe the only one we get so uh, check it out if you can two years as a franchise two years into the postseason uh, we'll have you covered on uh, 12 news if you don't uh, aren't able to get out there but Uh, That's also happening tonight. We're going to talk some NFC. The Eagles flex on the Vikings. Got us scrambling with our thoughts on the NFC, I know. We'll do that next. This is Sports Daily on KFH. Quite a disappointing performance. Um, uh, you know, credit the Eagles. I thought they did a good job against us all night long. And um, you know, now we've got to respond in a short week and uh, be a resilient group and, uh, and get back on track. So, uh, uh, you know, need to play better and uh, we'll play better up ahead. Uh, that's Kirk Cousins. He ain't lying. he got to be better than that. His uh, primetime woes continued. three interceptions. I, I think that there was a decent chance that Darius Slay was going to have more catches for the Eagles than anybody on the Vikings. That's not even an exaggeration. He already had, what, how many picks did Slay have, two or three? And he dropped a couple. Like, it was bad. Uh, the Vikings, who we thought was going to be in the mix, and I still do, we thought we were going to be in the mix for... Uh, the best team out of the NFC, just Philly just flexed on them a little bit. Um, you know, yeah. Philly offensively slowed down in the second half, but Philly looked good.
1: Yeah, they did. And uh, I'm not sure if it's more of the Eagles looked good or the Vikings looked bad. I mean, I think it was obviously a combination of both, but man, Cousins looked awful. 27 to 46, 221 through the air, one touchdown, three picks. And the fact that Adam Phelan wasn't even targeted, until the fourth quarter, I think is a testament a little bit to the Eagles defense and the secondary shutting him down early in the game, but then also just the, the lack of production offensively for Minnesota. When you've got Dalvin Cook, who historically has been one of the, the better running backs in the conference, six carries, 17 yards, averaging barely two and a half yards a carry. Uh, yeah, the primetime lights were not good for Minnesota, and Philadelphia I mean, they're for real. Jalen Hurts looks like the real deal. There's been a lot of people wondering, will Jalen Hurts make that next step and actually be a franchise quarterback, somebody that the Eagles can hang on to for a long time? And, you know, the, the sample size is still relatively small, but they looked good on Monday Night Football last night. There's no doubt about that.
0: Yeah, they did. I, look, I'm raising my hand. I I'm not a, I was not a Jalen Hurts believer coming in. Really liked the guy, doubted his ability to throw the ball at this level. And he is improving at that, at that skill. And, you know, it happens. I mean, Josh Allen became a much better thrower of the football as a pro versus in college. Maybe Jalen Hurts can, you know, not take that type of jump. I don't think he's got the same kind of arm, but a jump. And maybe Philly was right on this. Look, they, they have done a really good job. They were aggressive to bring in A.J. Brown. He has been a major factor for them. Um, they've got in reality, they've got a list of pass catchers that most teams would be really happy with. They spent the high draft capital on Devontae Smith, who's the best college receiver we'd seen in a long time. They go get A.J. Brown. They already had Dallas Goddard. Uh, you saw how explosive a guy like Quez Watkins is who caught the bomb. Philly's for real, and they're playing really good defense the last week. Now, remember, they gave up a ton of points to the Lions, though, in week one, so I'm not totally sold on Philly. Um, as being a, a like a Super Bowl type contender. They gave up 35 points to Detroit. But as far as it goes in the NFC, I think they have to be in the conversation, don't they, through two games?
1: I think they do. I mean, look at the competition, at least in their division. I mean, I think the Giants and their 2 and0 start is, is clearly a mirage. Like that that's not legit. Um, I think that they'll they'll come back to Earth a little bit. Uh, And and beyond that, yeah, the Cowboys kind of came back from the dead uh, on Sunday. But I mean, clearly after this game last night, I think you've got to put Philadelphia as the favorites right now to win that division. And then from there, look look at the look at the rest of the competition in that division. Uh, They you know, I'm I'm watching both games last night. Right. I'm kind of flipping back and forth and they've got, you know, split screen going on occasionally. And I'm watching A.J. Brown catch the ball for nearly 70 yards in that game for Philadelphia. And then I'm watching the Titans anemic offense and I'm like, man, AJ Brown is making this trade look really good for Philadelphia and really bad for Tennessee. Um, you know, that having that weapon is big for Jalen hurts and that offense. But then on top of it, Philadelphia made a concerted effort to get the ball to Devonte Smith who didn't have a catch in week one, S- uh, seven catches, 80 yards, um, they they really were able to work both of those guys opposite of each other, and then you throw in Dallas Goddard, who I don't think you know gets the credit he deserves for being one of the the top tight ends in the NFC. And you know he was the the leading receiver as far as yardage was concerned last night for Jalen Hurts. They've got you know a, a ton of different ways to attack you, whether it's Jalen Hurts on the ground, and then the, those weapons both at tight end and at wide receiver. I mean, they, they that that offense right now through two weeks. Is legitimate, and I don't oh, yeah. see any reason why it won't continue.
0: It's their defense. I, I, I'm I believe in their offense because I think for now, Hertz can run enough with those weapons to be good. But Hertz is passing at a high level. Yeah, this game to me as as impressive as Philadelphia was. They didn't score any points in the second half. Uh, nobody did. In fact, sorry if you had the over. God, the, the overs in the last three primetime games. Oh, it's bad. If, it, it, because, like, <laughs> you, you sit in all three of those games in the first half, you're like, oh, this is easy. And, like, they have three points in the Sunday night game, I think seven in the Titans game, and zero in the Vikings-Eagles. Just wild, wild stuff for, for those that are out there betting. We we feel for you, man. I, I'm so sorry. Um, you know, you look at Minnesota, and that's where it, it looks ugly. I mean, Kirk Cousins is too intense. Two two and ten mm. on Monday night with his only two wins coming against the Bears. Uh overall on primetime games, according to Stathead, 10 and 18. He is not Yikes. fared well under the lights. He does okay on Sunday nights, but Thursday nights and Monday nights, he has been awful. It's just the weirdest thing. Uh when the I don't know what it is, but you know, Minnesota looked great in one week, and they looked downright awful yesterday, and I don't want to say I'm a Kirk Cousins apologist. I definitely don't think Kirk Cousins is has been the problem for Minnesota, and I think he's just fine, but he has these games where you're just like, woof, that is bad, and it was bad last night, so I'm not sure. I, I'm going to need a week with the Vikings now to see what I think in reality, because they looked really good against a really good Green Bay defense. And they looked like garbage yesterday. And it was because of turnovers, right? They they were on their way to some points, but they kept turning the ball over. So I, I'm not sure what I think about Minnesota. I think Philadelphia is clearly the best team in the NFC East right now. Uh, and, and I think that they might be a real contender. I, I, I think they might be a real contender. So who is it in the NFC? Like, what? what is it? Are, if the Eagles are a contender, and I think that they deserve to be considered that, I think San Francisco with Jimmy Garoppolo clearly is a contender. I think Green Bay will be a contender. And, you know, they'll look a little different than, than we've seen in years past, but they're a contender. Tampa's certainly a contender. If they get healthy, I still think a healthy Tampa is the best team. But there's nobody... In the NFC, that you would stack up to at least the top what three in the AFC, and that yeah. list maybe even maybe even longer. Yeah, I I, mean, I I know that I wouldn't take any NFC team over depending on Justin Herbert and his health over Buffalo, Kansas City, or the Chargers. And then you got to go down the list. Like, what about? I mean, who are the other teams in the AFC? Baltimore, Miami, right now, probably both pretty
1: solidly in there.
0: Um, I
1: don't have any faith in any AFC team in the the AFC North or the AFC South. Like right now, um, yeah, especially the South. I mean, they're they're awful. Uh, yeah, they're Indianapolis. Awful. Indianapolis. They had hopes of being a playoff. They look terrible. They look really bad. I, I think the
0: honestly, I think Indianapolis might be the biggest disappointment through two weeks, even bigger than yeah. Cincinnati.
1: Yeah maybe Jacksonville at this point. I mean, considering what they did to Indianapolis, you never know. I mean, they're on the come up with Doug Peterson and, and this is a, an opportunity for Trevor Lawrence to shine, but you know, to answer your question. Yeah. I mean, there are, I think in the NFC, you're looking at almost a war of attrition, right? Like these teams just, we think that they're contenders. We think that they've got an opportunity to, you know, rise above. Uh, and and kind of solidify themselves as the top team in in that conference, and nobody's really doing it right now outside of maybe Philadelphia. I mean Tampa Bay, I guess. Um, but I, and I'm not ready yet. I can't. I cannot jump off the Vikings ship right now. Um, no, I don't think I, I want to jump off that ship either. But, but that I I that... picked them to win the division. I picked them to win the conference. Uh, and so I need to see much better play from from Kirk Cousins and you know much better play offensively. They have the weapons to do it. Justin Jefferson is one of, if not the best wide receiver in that conference, potentially in the league outside of maybe Cooper Cup. Uh that we they need to they need to be getting the ball to him more, finding more opportunities to get him open. Uh I've got to see a lot more offensively. I'm not ready to jump off their ship yet, but that was super disappointing last night.
0: So they get the Lions at home next week. They're six and a half point favorites. Um which feels Fair, I suppose, but that you know that'll be a relatively good test to see if they bounce right back um, from from what we what we assumed they were going to be after week one. Again, they since Kirk Cousins have been their has been their quarterback have sucked on Monday nights. So is it that is it that weird thing or is it something bigger? we'll probably know next week. I mean, we'll have a pretty good idea of that next week, but
1: And how do yeah, you only I, I, get the ball to Dalvin Cook 6 times in that game? I mean, I understand game the script. game script. I yeah, I get, that's I get it. that. I mean, they, they, they got down, they got and... down
0: to, to what 24-7 in the first half and they just they couldn't they couldn't afford to run it. They had to throw it around a little bit. I I think that, you know, the reality is they probably could have run it more in the second half because their defense locked Philadelphia up, but they didn't know that was going to happen to them this game feels like a shootout. We got to score some points.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess you're right. But at the same time, you know, one of the best running I'm agree
0: I'm I, just saying where their minds at, but yeah, you gotta get that the ball point, to Alvin Cook more.
1: And at that point and knowing the the turnover issues that Kirk Cousins was having under the bright lights last night, I get that you've got to try to to get once quickly get back in that game. But man, take the ball it, it, for that for that reason and that reason alone. Take the ball out of Kirk Cousins' hands, give it to Dalvin Cook, and and try to do something to get back in the game. Because you know, what, what do they always say? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different yeah. results. It was not yeah. working with Kirk Cousins throwing the football. Doesn't matter how far behind they fell, it wasn't working.
0: Yeah, it was. Uh, it was an embarrassing game for the Vikings. They'll have a chance to bounce right back. I, I had that one just like you did wrong. I, I loved it. was my favorite bet of the week was the Minnesota money line. I just thought, man, that's a real big opportunity for them to go in there and, and really do what they, but you know, you don't, you're not thinking about the Monday night football thing at that point, which has been a thing for a long time. I've forgotten about it was reminded very quickly about how cousins has struggled on Monday nights, but Yeah, I mean, Philly, good for Philly, and and I hate the Eagles. Don't get me wrong. Despise them as a Cowboys fan, but they've built something. And you know what's interesting? All these young coaches that get talked about, nobody talks about Sirianni in Philadelphia, um, at least nationally, I don't think. And he's done a really good job the last couple of years. And, you know, a credit to their front office, too, for taking a chance on Jalen Hurts because – Jalen Hurts has been dynamic, man. He's not not just in fantasy either where he's been a real dynamic player, but in reality. Like, he had a good game. Threw a pick, but he was... I mean, Philly was moving the ball up and down the field at will at times in that game. I think they ran the ball better than, than normally they will, but even just throwing the ball, Hurts could do it. And I think we all just have to get our heads wrapped around that. It's all like, is who's he the placeholder for? No, man, I, I don't know. I think... He just keeps getting better now for, for, what, two and a half years? He just keeps getting better.
1: Yeah, and and we're in this world right now in the NFL where every team that that is looking for a head coach, they're trying to find that next Sean McVay, right? Like that next young gun to come in and, and have this— genius offensive mind and game plan. That's exactly what Miami did with Mike McDaniel, bringing him in uh, Arizona went that way with Cliff Kingsbury a couple of years ago. And you're right. I mean, I agree with you. Nick Sirianni does not get the credit that he deserves for coming into a situation in Philadelphia where, you know, as much as I, I, I do like Doug Peterson as a head coach, but he did not leave Philadelphia in a great situation uh, when he left. I mean, they, they underperformed the last couple of years that he was at the helm. And Sirianni was able to come in, rejuvenate that team. And, you know, everybody talks about uh, the Matt LaFleurs and the Kyle Shanahan's and, you know, these, these young guys coming in. Nick Sirianni, I think at this point, I mean, 2-0, it's a great start to the year. You've got to start putting him in that conversation of one of the better young coaches in the league.
0: Yeah, and I do it. The progress they made has been much quicker than, than I thought would come, and they're doing it with Jalen Hurts, which, again, I was wrong on Hurts. He's been good, and I did not think he would be. I'm glad he is, too. As much as I don't like Philadelphia, I do really like Jalen Hurts, um, so I'm happy for him. I uh, just wish he was doing it somewhere else. The Chiefs have some significant news drop yesterday willie gay suspended we'll give you the details on what happened why and why it's such a big deal for kansas city that ahead of our conversation with dan israel executive producer of the chiefs radio network we're going to spend some time on kansas city chiefs kingdom get ready sports daily continues next Sports Daily is on KFH. Welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily. Chiefs fans, uh, a little news. We didn't see coming uh yesterday well we just i i sort of forgot about this um tommy remember in january willie gay was arrested um destruction of property something to that effect mother of his child they get in an argument he breaks a vacuum cleaner arrested he deferred it and went through some mental health counseling but the league finally ruling now suspending willie gay for four games so it's a four game suspension for willie gay jr who was off to a good start on the season, I think for the chiefs, he had some tackles for loss. He, he was doing some good things. Now you look at it and he's, you know, one of their top defenders will miss Colts, bucks, Raiders, bills, uh, this pretty significant loss for the
1: chiefs. Yeah. It's a big deal. I was just like you. I completely forgot about it too. And, and the news came down yesterday and I'm like, wait a second. Like he violated the personal conduct policy. Like I was thinking there was something with drugs or i I completely forgotten what had happened. And, so I go back and I I read. Oh yeah, okay, that was back in January and and all that happened. But it's a significant loss for Kansas City. Willie Gay has started both games so far this year for the Chiefs. Sixteen tackles and and he's been a guy that uh, has been really active. Like you watch him out on the field and and he's not the. I don't want to put him as the overall. Like defensive captain or the leader, uh, the, the field general defensively, but he's really, really active and he's, he's in there quite a bit with his teammates. Looks like he's kind of coordinating a lot of different things out on the field. Uh, this is a significant loss, especially when you look at the schedule that Kansas City has. You know, you mentioned that Bills game, that, that fourth game that he's going to miss. Um, this, is a, this is a really big loss for Kansas City.
0: Yeah, and, you know, they call up Elijah Lee, which is cool for K-State fans off the practice squad. It The Colts, okay, you know, the Colts, I think he'll be okay, except, well, you say that, but now is this an opportunity for the Colts to run the ball, right? Like, you know, the Colts with Jonathan Taylor, they'd love to establish that run, and that's a factor here. As the Colts have struggled, the Chiefs are going to have to find a way without, you know, one of their lead guys and you know, at stopping the run of stopping Jonathan Taylor, so even out of the gates against a team that struggled, there's concern here.
1: There is, without a doubt. And you look at, you know, who can potentially come in and at least—I don't even want to say replace Willie Gay or fill his spot because you know he's—he's he's a starter, like he's an impact player. Um, I think it's going to have to be something. And we'll, I know we'll talk to to Dan Israel about this more in the next hour, but I think you have to almost look at replacement by committee for the next four weeks. Like, I don't think there's one guy defensively for Kansas city that can step in and come anywhere close to replicating the production that Willie Gay has game in and game out. You know, you mentioned Elijah Lee off the practice squad. Um, You know, a lot of, a lot of people have mentioned at least throughout training camp in the preseason about rookie Leo, uh, Leo Chanel and what he can do. I mean, I think he's somebody that is probably more geared towards stopping the run game, which could that could be a benefit as they're playing Indianapolis, but I think it's going to be multiple multiple guys that are going to have to come in and at least try to find a way to uh, to make this work in the next four games.
0: Yeah, it's it'll be it'll be so. What have you thought of the Chiefs' defense? Um, I, I've thought that they've looked good. I mean, I think they've done a really nice job through two games against two pretty dynamic offenses um, early against the Cardinals, especially, and then even against the Chargers. Opportunistic. Um, they they seem to be getting to the quarterback at a better pace than they have. They're they're doing enough. Do I think they're like Bills level? I don't think so. But can they be? What's your early return? You know, McDuffie's gonna be out. Now you're without McDuffie and Gay, by the way, uh, which isn't good. <laughs> two of your top two of your top defenders. But you know, by the time that these games are two months from now don't doesn't it feel like the chiefs defense has the ability to be top half of the league by the time they get all healthy and gelling and doing all the things they need to do.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think that they're playing well and that's, that's ahead of schedule, right? I mean, this is a, an overall young defense and we've talked about this multiple times about how Kansas city went younger. They went faster. They went more athletic, but you know, also less proven. And so I think that the defense is ahead of schedule, a little bit and and I you know it's been pretty apparent to me that what's going to have to happen with this new look offense for Kansas City is you're you're going to have to change that philosophy that we've seen in years past where Kansas City has Played really, really well offensively, dynamic, explosive, scoring points at will, and the defense hoping to hang on. That mentality has changed to where it's more balanced. And yeah, it's a big loss to lose Willie Gay for four games. And it's a big loss to not have Trent McDuffie out on that field. But they've got Chris Jones, they've got George Karloftis. Frank Clark has, I think, played better uh through the first two games than what we've seen over the last couple of years. He's still not amazing. I think that. You know, I think that there's still an argument to be made that he's not nearly as good as what Chiefs fans were hoping he would be when he came to Kansas City. But he's been OK. He's been serviceable through the first two games of this season. Uh, and so they do have playmakers still defensively, even without Trent McDuffie and uh, and now Willie Gay for the next four games. So. Yeah, I'm. I'm encouraged by what they can do, and I'm. I've, I'm also encouraged by the way that they adjust. We saw that defensively against Los Angeles on Thursday. I felt like Steve Spagnola was willing to adjust the way that they played to be able to to limit what Justin Herbert could do, and that's what he's going to have to do moving forward.
0: Yeah, he, he is, and and I don't know. I, I this gay thing is going to be a problem, and I and I do worry a little bit because. Here, you can see this coming a mile away, right? Indianapolis struggled. Indianapolis knows they've got to get Jonathan Taylor the ball more than they did in that game last week. And the Chiefs are missing. I, and I don't know if I want to call, and I'll ask Dan Israel this, I don't know if I want to call Willie Gay the most important player to stopping
1: the run. I don't know if that's that simple. Well, he's leading the team but, in tackles right now through two games. Right,
0: and 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 he plays the position that typically is, but so is Chris Jones. You know what I mean? Like, there, there are a couple, but they just got blanked by Jacksonville, right? They got blanked by Jacksonville in a game that Jonathan Taylor only had nine rushes. This feels like a game where Jonathan Taylor is going to have 20 carries, and Indianapolis is—there's only one way they're going to slow the Chiefs down, and that's by running the ball. And so yeah, if they do that, it's on all these other guys to really step up and and take on the league's best
1: runner right now. Yep, That seems a little bit dangerous to me. And to your point, uh, this is going to have to put a lot of pressure on Nick Bolton going into this week. I mean, he's played really well through the first two games. Uh, he's th- There's going to be so much more on him to shut down Jonathan Taylor, to shut down the offense for Indianapolis, and beyond, I mean, for the next four games. He's going to have to play out of his mind, which he's, he's played really well the first two weeks. He's going to have to play really, really well if the the Kansas City defense wants to try to find a way to replace Willie Gay.
0: Let's let's talk to Dan Israel about it. That's where we're headed next. Executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network, as he does every Tuesday, will join us We'll break down the Chiefs, finally get his thoughts on that Chargers game, and, of course, look ahead now to the Colts. We'll do it next. Sports Daily, hour number two, coming up on a Tuesday.